Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Thomas Frank Carr and T. Frank. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be here with you talking Penn State football. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked about it too. Glad we're back. So am I. Uh, for those of you still wondering what we're talking about, we were off last week, the Keystone kickoff show. Do you know, T. Frank, that was the first week we have been off since we started this show like six or seven years ago, which, which I think is a pretty good track record. But I think we had a pretty good excuse for being off last week. For those of you not aware, about a week and a half ago on that Friday prior, I had a heart attack. Um, And uh, just the quick update, it was not like you see on TV, me grasping my chest, debilitating. Uh, You weren't giving an emotional speech or anything like that? It wasn't like a very emotionally attuned moment in your life? You were just eating something probably? It's just a normal day doing what I normally do, which probably means I was eating. Uh, For those of you who remember the old Sanford and Son show, I was not grasping my heart, flailing, saying, Elizabeth, I think this is it. It's the big one. And um, I wasn't sure what it was. But first of all, first lesson learned is don't ignore something like that. Go get it taken care of. Speed to get it taken care of is critical. Stupid me. I was stubborn. Ah, it'll probably go away. Well, it didn't. Following day, I said, ah, maybe I should go to the hospital, have them take a look at this, diagnose it as a heart attack. I was rushed, for those of you in my area, northeast Pennsylvania, know about it, Geisinger in Danville, major medical center. I was taken there, put right into the cath lab, where they ran something through my wrist, up through the arteries, where there was a, a 100% blockage in one of the arteries. They put a stent in, which is just a like a tube, opens up that blockage, and there you go, T. Frank. Thanks to modern medicine, I am back on the air. What do you yeah. think of that? Uh, you got significantly less time off than I would have taken if I had a heart attack. Uh, so I'm I'm glad we're back. I'm glad you're okay. Uh, and sincerely, like I I'm I'm glad you're okay, and I'm glad that uh, you know, you are back so quickly. But man, it used to be like I had a heart attack, and you weren't back to work within a week. Like there was a little bit more lead up time. But uh, uh, glad that and I said this to you off air. There's no such thing as a minor heart attack when it happens to you. But I'm glad that uh, it was not a a serious thing because when you texted me, I didn't know what to say. Because I'm like, oh, I hope you're all right. You're texting me, so I hope you're all But, like, there's no, oh, I just had a heart attack. Oh, okay, well, cool. So I'm glad you're okay, uh, and I'm glad we're back doing this. Well, the funny thing, and I was telling you a bit about this off the air, is they put me right into the cath lab, did the procedure, which was totally painless. I was wide awake talking to the folks there. And as soon as the procedure was done, they handed me my phone, allowed me to text, take calls, do... Theoretically, T. Frank, I could have gone home right then. They kept me in for 48 hours. I could have done the show last week. I <laughs> went home. I've been taking, 
<laughs> since I got home two days later. I've been taking walks every day. So uh, big thanks to the people at Geisinger. They were incredible. Also, speaking of thank yous, I, I want to thank all of our listeners who reached out to me with well wishes and prayers. It's appreciated. After all this time, our listeners feel like family to me. And for them to reach out like that, uh, several of them meant a lot to me. So thank you, all of you who reached out. So moving on, one last administrative thing, T. Frank. Since I was feeling pretty good last week, but no show to do, I took advantage of the time. Something that several listeners have been asking for for years uh, our show is split up into four segments. If you go to the podcast version, you, you can listen to each one of the four segments. I've gotten this suggestion many times. Can I just listen to the whole show at once? Can't you just... So instead of switching from one to the other, we're giving you both options. If you go to get the podcast, you could listen to it like you traditionally have in four segments. You'll also see the one-hour version there. So you can get one full hour of T. Frank, which I'm sure is what everybody's looking for, T. Frank. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's exactly what people want. Not really. <laughs> and, and if you can't get enough, you can listen to both versions, the four at a time or the one hour. Of course, it's the same content, but for those of you who can't get enough, Keystone Kickoff. Anyway. All right, enough of that, T. Frank. Let's move on to our topic for the day, and hopefully this topic will not give me a second heart attack. We are going to talk about Sean Clifford and this offense. We, I know this is a topic that people have beaten up. They've gone over and over, beaten this dead horse. But what prompted this discussion, T. Frank, is a little discussion you and I had off the air a couple weeks ago about Sean Clifford. And I often say, hey, Clifford's been here long enough. We know what we're going to get. But to be honest with you, I really don't know what we're going to get when Sean Clifford takes the field. Do you? Uh, so the interesting thing is so I, on, on my show yesterday, I, I did a deep dive over the last weekend. And I've been, I've been thinking about this for a long time of how does Penn State get back to a place where they're winning again, right? So... There's two questions. Can you win with Sean Clifford, and how do you get back to winning at Penn State after two seasons of about 500 football and, you know, un underperforming regardless of the circumstances? Just boilerplate. I'm going to give this one to the fans that want to yell about 2020. Uh, how do you get back to something before that? And the the most, uh, I think, clear, in, the, the, the most clear line between the two is to look at the 2019 season because Clifford's still your quarterback. And that was a, a team that won 10 games. So you can draw some sort of ideas out of that. And when I went and I, not just looking at last season, not just looking at that information, but looking at both seasons, when you get down to it, and I use PFF uh, to kind of cut through a lot of the, the film analysis, because PFF is isolates the player, and it isolates from the system and the scheme and everything else, just to see how that guy performed irrespective of all that stuff. And Clifford was the exact same quarterback. He had almost the exact same PFF passing grade, and that grade was ranked ninth in the Big Ten both seasons. So you got there in different ways, but the same player who produced roughly the same output got 10 wins one season and seven another. 
And that should show you just the fickleness and the the the, the closeness of what 2021 was and what 2019 was, where you can have something like that and have two totally different outcomes. So, you know, there, there's a lot of nuance to it inside of the overall number, which you should never take just as, you know, gospel. But if you're looking for kind of a rough comparison, Clifford, he wasn't any different one year to the other. It was just the situation around him. Now, you were comparing years. I did this exercise previously, like looking at Sean Clifford in 2021. Remember, this is a team that was 5-0, and ranked in the top five. Yep. Up by a couple touchdowns at Iowa, had already beaten Auburn, had beaten Wisconsin on the road. And if I can remind you, Sean Clifford in that Auburn game was 28 for 32 for 280 yards. Yep. And then everything fell apart. And I went and did a comparison. What was Sean Clifford's stats like that first half of the year versus the second half, which I knew they were going to collapse. I mean, they were going to be awful in the second half compared to the first. But they weren't. No. (laughs) Statistically, it was very similar, which blew me away. Yeah, and, and that's why you got to – so box score stats can be very deceiving because if you're the quarterback and everything's on you, you're just going to get the volume to uh, throw the ball a lot and get a lot of yards and touchdowns and all of those things. So it's about the quality of those snaps, the efficiency of those things. And when I looked at it, and, and again, going to the PFF stats, one of the things that stood out to me the most was, um, you know, you can look at play under pressure, which is what, what I talked about a lot last season where after the injury his play under pressure bottomed out he was one of the the worst in college football from a grade standpoint but if you include the Iowa game where he threw three interceptions or or threw three turnover worthy plays before he went out in that game despite the fact that the team was winning because the defense was getting the ball back and was preventing some of those disastrous situations from compounding um he was not playing overly well despite the fact that the team was kind of rolling against that that defense. He was doing some good things, but they were pretty safe within the structure of... The, anyway, that's not the point. The point is that if you include that part of his grade, he was not good either part of the season under pressure. But where the injury affected him the most is in his ability to elude pressure and get rid of the football. So he took nine sacks in the first five games. He took 23 in the final seven. Uh, and and his percentage of times he was pressured, that turns into a sack. So how good are you at eluding pressure? It was a quarter of the time he was going down, as opposed to just under 15% before. So he was holding on to the ball longer. He was running less because of the injury, less designed yardage because they didn't want to get him hurt. And so he's stuck in the pocket, and he's taking sacks. He's not throwing the ball away. He's not finding his receiver. And that was really what led to kind of the collapse of the offense was they couldn't sustain drives because he was taking negative plays as sacks. And part of that's on the offensive line and part of that's on him for, you know, that's how it is to be the quarterback. Like your job is to get rid of the ball and not create negative plays. Sacks are also negative plays. So kind of the hidden yards in what you're talking about of kind of the box stats that's where the biggest difference was between the first part and the second part of the season. Real quickly, we only have one minute left in this segment. When you were saying he was he just holding on to the ball because he was trying to protect himself by not running the ball, so he ended up holding on, and that's what was creating those sacks? So, you know, 
I've gone through all the film. I did not go through the film again when I was looking at the data because I wanted to just see the data for what it was and kind of get the big picture. But the the games that stand out to me specifically, uh, and there's a lot of mitigating circumstances. I'll try to nutshell this. Like if you look at the situations, didn't play against Rutgers. He was uh, and he held on to the ball and stayed in the pocket against Ohio State and especially Illinois because the injury was fresh. By the end of the season, he's playing in a blizzard against uh, Michigan State. So he's not running in that situation either. So there are certain things that dictated what happened, and there are certain things that were a part of the injury. So it's never one thing, but I think that that's a fair way to say that he was staying in the pocket, not running the football, and, and trying to play that way, with the exception being the Michigan game, where he did run and he was out in, in the open space making plays. All right, T. Frank, in quarter number two, we're going to pick it up from there, and we're going to look forward to see what can Penn State do about this going forward. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State-Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. 